you can't control the future. You cannot control the future. And one of the many things I love about God, and I say many things because our God is just so good, amen? But one of the many things I love about our God is that he has purposed me today to close out our message with this topic, that you can't control the future. And what I mean about this is that our God is just so awesome. He knows exactly what we need to speak, what we need to hear at the moment we need to hear most, right? Have you guys ever experienced that? You're going through something and it's like, man, that word was just so timely. And so for me to have to study this uh, through these scriptures that I've been working on and looking at for today and, and having to come up in front of you guys and preach this word today was just an awesome message for myself. And so know as I preach here and as I stand here before you, it's a word for every single one of us. Whether we're married or not, whether we have children or not, you're in school, you, you're, you're working, you're single, whatever your situation, how much money you have in the bank account, how much money you don't have in the bank account, right? Or where you live, whether you're in, in Bushwick or we're out in Park Slope, no matter where you're at, who you are, boy, girl, this word is for you. You cannot control the future. And specifically for my wife and I, this word means a lot for us. We've been praying about God's calling in our lives. And to be more specific, God's calling in our ministry. And some of you already know this, but we mentioned it a few months back, that Joe and I have been praying hard and talking about planting a church in Kensington. Now, Kensington, for those who don't know about Kensington, which probably is every single one of you besides my wife herself, maybe my sister-in-law, all right? The rest of you probably have no idea, never heard of Kensington. Kensington's a neighborhood, it's a small neighborhood sandwiched between Park Slope and, and Flatbush. And then, you know, you have maybe Windsor Terrace here, and this is like right in the middle, it's very small. But Kensington has a has a very near and dear place in my heart and my wife's heart. It's a place where I first began going to church with any regularity. Those who know me, I come from a Catholic background, not really, not a church goer at all with my family, not a devout Catholic family, but in Kensington was the first place where I first met Jesus. It's a place where I first got together with a group of older believers who were faithful to God's word and said, hey, we are called to a disciple and this young man is, is now hearing the word of God for the first time and they took the time to disciple me. And it was in that small church where Joe and I came to faith in the Lord. And so it was in that small church where we first began to taste and see how sweet and how good our Lord and Savior is. And it was in this place, in this church, where we first began to serve him and, and to, to be his hands and feet and to experience the incredible joy that you get to experience when you are in obedience to get to obey God and be used for his mission. It is an amazing feeling, brothers and sisters, to be used by God. And so in Kensington, for the first time, Joe and I began serving the community and loving people. God began changing our eyes and letting us see through his eyes the people in our community and how much he loved them and how much all of a sudden I began to love them. It was in Kensington where we began first to, 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 to dream, where God put a burden in our hearts, in my heart, to pastor and to lead a church in Kensington. It's been eight years since we've gone to church in Kensington. I think I'm right with eight years, about eight years. Because in eight, eight years ago, that church that we first came to the Lord no longer exists. It closed its doors. And so Joe and I, we occasionally still, because we still live ten minutes away, from five-minute drive away from the neighborhood in Park Slope, so we're able to drive there. We still spend time in that neighborhood. Sometimes my brother-in-law forces me to go out and, 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 and jog in Kensington. And so there's plenty of times we're there and we're praying for the prayer walks or the Thai restaurant that we like there, Thai Tony's, check it out, or, uh, or, or the, the, the coffee shops there. And God still continues to bring me back to this burden, this desire to see a church of believers there because unlike some of the, most of the neighborhoods in Brooklyn, 
Where if you walk a block or two, you probably saw already four or five churches, and we're discussing, hey, not about the amount of churches, right? We were talking about we want healthy churches. Swerve Church doesn't want to be another church in the community. We want to be a healthy church that exists for the community, for the community, for Christ, for his glory, his kingdom first, not about establishing Swerve Church. But that's not really the situation in Kensington if you walk the neighborhood. There's not really many visible churches there. And so it breaks my heart, and I believe it's been a divine uh, burden from God, and he's placed this in my heart. It's a place where I envisioned my children growing up and, and going to Kensington Park there, and, and I saw my family and I there leading worship there. But I learned very early in my faith that a life in Christ means a life totally surrendered to the will of God. Very early in my faith, I've learned that a life in Christ means a life totally surrendered to the will of God. I, I felt like I needed to repeat that. I learned that it is not I who has the power to will the things that I want to happen in my future because I can't do that, but God can. So I pray about God's future calling over my life and, and my family. And as I pray about that future, I'm actually learning more and more this very crucial truth. That's the big idea for today. So if you have a bulletin in front of you, you can take that out. And inside of it, you'll see a bunch of stuff. We're going to go through it. But there's some notes in there for you. And the big idea today, the very first feeling is this truth that I'm learning more and more. And you're learning, I'm sure, more and more in your walk with Christ is this, that we don't hold the future. God does. You see, I wanted something for Kensington, but God has shut that door eight years, and he's called me to leave, to go to other churches. And I, we attended this work, uh, churches in Staten Island and, and Park Slope and Bay Ridge and now here in Bushwick. And I had to learn very early that a life surrendered to Christ is a life understanding that he is the one in charge and not us. We don't hold the future. God does. Now, to start a church means much sacrifice for my wife and my family, my children. There's no doubt going to be great struggle if we go ahead and plant that church. Great uncertainty. Because I don't know how things will turn out. Neither does any one of us sitting here today where we think about tomorrow. We don't know how things will really work out. Just being a part of two church plants before being a part of Swerve Church, my wife and I were part of a church plant in Park Slope, the house church now, Redemption Church. And, and we were there from the very beginning of that church as well. And being a part of, of Swerve Church and, and feeling the burden, God placing that burden in my heart through Danny, the leader of our church, Man, I've learned very early that you must, you better be called to planting a church. Danny reminds me of this every Tuesday when we meet up. It's very, planting a church is hard. And I see it, Danny, you don't have to tell me anymore. I know it. It's hard. It's very hard. It's very hard, but you have to be called to it. So what am I getting at? How does understanding that big truth that it's hard, but you know what? I don't hold the future. God does. How does that control uh, how we lead our life? Does it cause us to living a life that, is makes, that makes much of Jesus? How does God want to use the truth that I can't control the future to actually set me free? How does he want to use that truth for you guys that you can't control your future to actually set you free? Does the Bible say anything about that? So you could be sitting here today and maybe your hopes and future, I mean, it's not planning a church, right? That doesn't relate to you. But your hopes and future is to start a new career, to go back to school. God wants you to take some next steps probably in your faith, such as baptism or perhaps serving on missions here or, or serving with Swerve kids back there with Melissa. Maybe you're calling God and saying, hey, I, I, I can use you. I want to use you to lead a Bible study, start a life group. And those are all great things, like I said earlier, things that are just so amazing that God would allow to use us to be used uh, for his kingdom. And it's just an amazing thing. But I'm here to warn you guys in advance. None of this can be handled on our own. 
right? None of us can be handled on our own. And let me ask you this. Does that truth that you can't handle it on your own, that you can't control the future, does that mess you up today? Is it messing you up? Are you sitting here and you're worrying about whatever it is that you want for your future? Is it, does it mess you, mess you up that you can't control that? All right, what I'm asking is this. Does that truth that you have no idea about the future that, 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 that you probably are planning for, and don't get me wrong, let's establish this early on. Planning is wise. We should plan, right? I'm not saying just go about your day, wake up, whatever happens, happens, because God is in control, right? We plan out steps. God, God has given us a brain. Use it, right? God has given you common sense. Use it. God wants you to plan. He wants you to use your mind. He gave it to you. But does it, does it mess you up that the reality is that ultimately you don't control things? Does that cause you to worry? Does it lead you to live in a place of anxiousness? Is that what you're feeling day to day? Is, this, is there some anxiety? Are you constantly worrying about what tomorrow brings? Does it lead you to a place of even depression? Does it lead you to a place of depression? Some of us say, well, Barrys, you know, I have things under control. And if that's you, man, yeah, good. But that's just for a moment. Trust me, there's going to come a point in time where you're going to lose control. Right? We've all lost control of things. We, we can't control all things. We've established that last week. And if you are trying to control things apart from the presence and the power of God, let me tell you this truth. Things will eventually crash. And it can crash pretty tragically for you. Because the truth is you and I cannot live a life if we are calling on Christ and, and, and be apart from him. We need to live a life totally and completely dependent on him, fully surrendered. And again, the enemy will throw it at you. He'll throw the same truth at you that you can't control the future, therefore give up. Fall into that depression. Freeze. Live a safe life. And that could be the greatest tragedy for a Christian is to live a safe life. So what we're going to do today is look into God's word. And we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 12, focusing in on verses 1 through 4. So if you're going to follow along with your Bibles, that's again Genesis 12. It's in your bulletin. So um, if you don't have your Bible, all good. Your phone's Genesis 12, but it's in your bulletins again. We're going to go look through verses 1 through 4. I'm going to point out a few other scriptures. Most of them are on your bulletins as well. But if not, I'll definitely give you the references for them. But we're going to focus in on Genesis 12, 1 through 4. All right? Before we go into God's word, I want to pray. So I'm going to ask that you guys join me in prayer right now. Amen. Father God. Lord, what an incredible honor and privilege it is, Lord, to open up your word this evening, God. Father, it is nothing to be taken lightly as we look at your word, God, as we read your very words, Father, as we ask and pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to hear and to receive, God. Like we said, God, you gave us a mind, so help us, Lord, to understand what you're speaking in your word today. God, I pray for myself as I deliver this word, God, I pray that only your words, only things that will bring you glory will come out of me, Lord God, and that would land and be land on good soil, God, for those of us hearing it today, God, and whatever is not of you, Lord, may it quickly die, Father. We want to give you the glory and the honor, so Lord, help us as we look in your word today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, so Genesis 12. 1 through 4, it's in your bulletins, and it's up here, guys. We are setting it up for you guys, all right? The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And so you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So here is Abram. Some of us probably know him better, all, better as Abraham. All right, he's learning a lesson very early in our first verse here. He's learning a lesson that is key to, for us. And it's the lesson that God is in full authority. Did you guys catch what God told him? He said, leave and go. You might, might want to underline that in your verse. Verse 1, leave and go. Leave and go. God is in control here. God is speaking with authority because he's the one in control. Some of us need to learn that very quickly right now. Some of us are living lives very dangerously, thinking that we are in full authority of all things, that we are the ones who hold all the power. But I'm here to tell you, and God's word tells you, he's the one in full authority. He's telling Abram, and he's learning a lesson, go, leave, and go. God is sovereign. This means that God has full control over his creation, and he alone rules over all of it. The sovereignty of God means this. It means that he has all control over all things, past, present, and future. Nothing happens that is out of his knowledge and his control. All things are caused, either caused by him or allowed by him for his purpose and his perfect will and timing. In his perfect will and timing. If you want references, verses for that, you can look at Romans 11, verse 36, or 1 Corinthians 8, 6. That's Romans 11, 36, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. I'm here afterwards, guys, if you need those verses. He is most high, not the world's greatest leaders, not the world's greatest preachers. Right? Not the best church in each community, not the best church in America. None of us are most high. God is most high. He alone controls all things. We don't hold the future. God does. In other words, the world you and I live in is not our own. Further, your life is not your own, but belongs to the one who created it. Let me speak to everyone who says they're a Christian today. For those of us who have given our lives to Christ, have we forgotten Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live, I, now I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me, for me. I have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. We've surrendered total control of our lives and we've placed it into his hands. And that should give you and I incredible peace to know that the God who's sovereign over all things has our lives in his hands the joy that we should feel if we fully understand that it's not you and I who live but Christ who lives in us we can control the future and we must stop being so consumed with it to the point that it actually leads us to live our lives in such a negative way as we mentioned earlier just to rephrase some of those questions that I asked you earlier. Have you been so consumed by your future that you've become anxious about tomorrow? Have you realized that when you attempt to control the future, this is me, we begin to stress over like the little things that really don't mean anything, right? But we're just so consumed by the, something out here and how every single thing along the day just like holds like utmost importance where really that is very minor, very small. If that's you, then maybe ask yourself, are you trying to control something that God is trying to say, let go? I'm the one who's controlling that. The small things, do they matter to you where they shouldn't be mattering? Or are you losing some sleep thinking about tomorrow? You, you have no rest. You're constantly feeling this sense of overwhelming, this overwhelming stress. If you relate against any of these, I want to suggest that maybe you're trying to control something that you shouldn't. I also want to suggest that maybe you need to hear God say to you what he said to Abram. What did he say? He said, leave 
point one for our notes of those you're again taking uh, notes. Surrendering control of your future requires obedience to leave. We need to hear that today. God told Abram to leave. The Lord said to Abram in, in verse one, leave. I want to hear you guys say that. Let's say it nice and loud. Leave. 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 Good. You don't have to repeat three times. Leave your native country, he told him. Your relatives and your father's family. And he said, and go. Say it with me. And go. And go. Go to the land that I will show you. See, the call of Abraham required a response of obedience to leave his homeland and leave his family. For you and I, surrendering control of our future to God will require us to leave. To leave. Now, God's plan for your future is great, better than you and I can ever imagine. What I mean by that is not our best life now, but what I mean by that, the future for us holds for those who believe in Christ an eternity in heaven with Him. There's no greater future to look forward to, to know that one day we will be in His presence in eternity and enjoy His presence forever and ever. God has great things for you. However, for us to experience what He wants for us now, we, meaning all of us here again, no matter where you're coming from, we are going to be required to leave. Now, you guys are probably looking at me and saying, well, uh, that's not my calling. God's not calling me to leave, Barrios. All right? God's not calling me. Let me tell you, if you want to have an impact in this world, God is going to call you to leave. And I know we want to, right? We want to have an impact in our families and our generation and God willing the generation to come. God has a great purpose for you, but he will require you to leave. So understand this good point here. The life of faith is a life of leaving. The life of faith is a life of leaving. And I've seen this in my own journey with the Lord. God is always trying to get you to leave where you are today to get you to where he wants you to be tomorrow. We ask ourselves all the time, we ask, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? First, Thessalonians 4, 3 tells you right off the bat, this is the will of your God. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. He wills for you to grow in our faith. He wants us to grow in our faith. A life of faith is a life of leaving. Now, this might for you look differently for each and every one of us. As I said, that whole leave, God's calling you to leave, or some of us are like, that's not me. Well, maybe it's not physically leaving your geography, right? Now, I don't want to totally dismiss that for you. All right, Hunter's sitting here, and he knows that God's called him to leave his family, to come all the way from Louisiana, putting his brother in the spot, to come to New York, and he out of obedience, he knows for him, God has called him to leave. And so I don't want to dismiss that for you guys sitting here. God might be calling you to pick up your bags and go to another place. But it's it, not necessarily what I'm talking about here. It's not for each and every one is leaving physically where we're at. Perhaps what God is calling you to leave, it, 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 and it might have to do more with this, your spirituality, your relationship with him. You feel stuck right now in your life, right? You're struggling with handing your life over and you're recognizing that you're not too good at controlling your future. Spiritually, you feel like you're in a rut. God is calling you to move, leaving from where you are now and moving into a deeper relationship with him. That might mean leaving a place of fear that, that you're in and into a place of comfort knowing that Jesus has control, that God has control. How do you, how do, you do that? It could mean getting plugged into the church, Maybe that's your step. Maybe it's getting plugged into some ministry opportunities as we announced earlier. We'll bring up again Bushwick Concert, Festival and Concert coming up this Wednesday. Maybe for you, it's just make, if you can, making that sacrifice of coming out and serving there. 
Or maybe it's committing to a ministry team here, such as our setup and breakdown, which consists of everyone who will show up early enough and we can use. But maybe you want to be part of that team where we can start to build that up. Maybe, again, like I said, children's ministry or our worship team. We have Hunter here. Let's take advantage, not of him, but of the opportunities to learn and to grow and maybe become something God is calling you. Maybe you've been feeling that itch that God wants you to, to be using the worship team. And now Hunter here and, and, Tim, and we, we encourage him. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is. Or maybe for you right now, that, that's not a priority for you. What, what's, what you've sensed God is calling to is just, man, start regularly committing to reading your Bible. Start regularly committing to praying. Whatever it might be for you, just need, you just need to leave where you are to experience the growth that you need in your walk with Christ. God wants to use your life, but you just need to leave where you are. Maybe for you, it's leaving your past pains and hurts. You've been so hurt by someone. You've been let down by a group of people or, or someone close to you. And emotionally today, that has control over you. God might be calling you to leave that and to put your faith, your trust in him. God might be calling you to leave a particular sin that has its ugly grip on you. It's paralyzing you from walking in obedience and fully surrendering to him. God is calling you to leave that sin. To repent of your sin just means to turn from it, to walk away from it. Think about that today. What, God, what could God be calling you to leave? regular life, day-to-day life, the same old, same old, whatever it is for you that God's calling you to leave, think of it today. But why is it that we struggle with this idea of leaving? I want to share three reasons without time today that we have remaining. The first reason why we struggle to leave is this. We live by sight and not by faith. We live by sight and not by faith. God gave, didn't give Abraham a map when he told him to leave and go, did he? He didn't show him where he was going. He said, leave and go. Hebrews 11.8 says this, by faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though not knowing, he did not know where he was going. Did you catch that? It was by faith, Abraham obeyed. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. This is Abraham displaying this genuine faith that God will keep his promise. God gave Abraham a promise, right? And Abraham knew that God would keep his promise. He put it all on, God, on God's promise. You see, for most of us, our response is this. When God says to go, we want to know exactly where we're going and how we're going to get there, right? Before we go, we want to know everything. But God told Abraham, go and then I'm going to show you. We get it the other way. We tell God, show me and then I'll go. Show me, God, and then I'll go. But God told Abraham, no, you go and I'll show you. It required first for Abraham to go, to leave, trusting that God will show him where he's going, that God will fulfill his promises. But you and I, we want to, we want to live by, by sight first. We want to know exactly where we're going. Then I can say, oh, yeah, I, I trust God. Not really. Because God is saying, if you trust me, you're willing to believe and trust that I will show you and I'll provide everything for you. Abraham had to leave then go, and then he'll show him. We, we want God to show me first. We're called to trust God. Trust his purposes in our lives. Trust that he is good and that he is perfect. Let me remind you, though, at this point, again, the enemy wants to use this truth because we're looking at throughout the series how the truth, the enemy also wants to use this very same truth. He wants to tell you this, that, yeah, because you can't control the future, I want to bring back all the doubts. I want to stop you right where you are. He's going to tell you right off the back, it is foolish to live by faith. Right? It's too risky. It's, it's, you're bound to mess up. You can't control it. But I want to tell you this. When he tells you that, when you feel that, when you know, when you come to a man, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, acknowledge you're right. He's right. You don't have what it takes. You can't control your future. 
But that's exactly why we place our faith and our trust in the hands of the one who does. Amen? Don't allow fear to be the cause. That's reason number two. We have a fear of failure. Why is it a struggle to lead? Number two, we have a fear of failure. Now, we touched on this a couple times throughout maybe today and throughout the weeks and the last sermon series, but it's such an important point. Why we don't trust God in leaving? We, we have a fear of failure. But I want to use Abraham's situation to encourage you. Verse 4 in Genesis 12 tells us the age of Abraham. Does anyone, can anyone shout it out? Or look in your notes. What age was he? 75 years old. Now, why am I mentioning that? 75 years old. All right. If there's ever a situation that seems like it's immediately set up to fail, Abraham is in that situation. God is calling a 75-year-old man to leave his homeland and go to some place that he's not telling him where now just to go, right? And, and, and I'm promising you, I'm making you this promise that you're going to have a great nation despite the fact that Abraham is childless and he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't have a land to call his own. But Abraham with faith leaves. Don't fear uh, don't let, allow fear stop you from obeying God. But the truth is this. Fear of failure is a really big problem for us. Right? Listen, guys. None of us are perfect here, right? The fear of failing is something that we struggle with. Why is that? And I think there's many reasons. But the root of it all is the fact that you and I were not created for failure. We weren't. God created us in Genesis 1. It tells us why. It tells us. He says, let's make man in our image after our likeness. God says, we're going to create man in, in, in our image, in our likeness. What does it mean? Verse 28, 31 in Genesis, he goes on, he says, he goes and tells man, I, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and fill the earth and have control over it, have rule over it. From the very beginning, God gave us the mission that was going to prepare the way when he himself will come and fill the earth with his glory. But Genesis 3 happens. And you know Genesis 3, the fall, right? We sin, there's sin enters in. Sin enters in, and that's at the root of it. We weren't created to be failures, but sin happens, right? And we're, we are sinful people. When we fail and we mess up, but because of Jesus, brothers and sisters, we are no longer in, in, in bondage by this fear of failure because Jesus, through his life, through his death and resurrection, he has given you and I a hope and a victory that one day we will overcome our futures. I love the song that we sang the last one, This We Know. This we know that one day, right? One day we're going to be with him. One day we will have victory. We, we, there will be no more failing in our lives. No more, no, more, no more shortcomings that we have to worry about. One day we will share in Christ's victory. And our failures and our shortcomings will be no more. It will matter no more. So when fear crops us, uh, fear of failure crops his ugly head. Let me tell you, it says, let, me, let me encourage you, don't run, don't give up. But run the race set before you with perseverance, keeping your eyes fixed on Christ. Reason number three why we struggle to leave is this. We don't trust God with our future. We just don't trust him with our future. We said the reason we struggle with leaving, we live by sight, not by faith. Right? We struggle, uh, the second reason is we struggle to leave is Fear of failure, and now here's number three. We just don't trust him with our future. Who today hears the voice of God telling you to surrender control of your future? But you're holding back your fear to your fear. Uh, you're holding back because you fear that you cannot trust God. You've allowed maybe circumstances all around you to cause you to hold on tight and never let go, right? 
I'm going to hold on to what I have and I'm not going to let it go. Maybe it's you looking back in, 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 in your generations and in your, in your family uh, uh, in this situation that your, your parents were in or someone in your family. You see how much sin or how much has, has happened to them and you're allowed it to, to cause you to say, hey, no, I've seen what happened. I'm going to hold on tight to protect my family. I'm going to hold on tight. I'm not going to trust anyone. And that has led you to living this life where you can't even trust God. Now, we probably won't say it straight out like that because we attend church and we're Christians and we won't say, man, I don't trust God. But the way we live our lives so many times, we, we, we don't realize we're holding on to something. And God is saying, let it go. You have a fear to trust him. Or perhaps maybe today you look around at the difficulties with the job market and the economy. And you're just saying, man, I can't. I don't know how can I. It's just a struggle to trust God with everything. I want to end with Jesus speaking to us on that. In Matthew 6, 25 to 33. I just want you guys to listen. Jesus in Matthew 6, 25 to 33 says this. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is challenging us right now. And he's saying to you, seek me first. Don't worry what's out there. Plan, yes, I gave you a mind. Use it, use it, all right? But don't worry. Don't live this life of anxiety, of stress, of what's going to happen, or what am I going to drink, or what am I going to wear. Your God has it all in his hands. He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows exactly what you need today before you know it. You woke up this morning not knowing exactly what was going to happen later on, but your God knew what was going to happen. He knows all things, and He is sovereign over all things, and He controls all things, and He desires to, to, to fulfill his, his mission through you, and He wants you to trust in Him. The challenge for us this week and today, moving forward, is are you willing to give your life to Him? Will you give, he will give you the faith to lead, to trust him completely. I'll challenge you to this week to pray that. Pray that you, he will give you the faith that is required for you to lead and to trust in him completely. He ends it in 33 again. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and these things will be provided for you. Seek first his kingdom. Let's pray. My God. Father, what can we say, Lord? You're just so good, Father. So loving, so 
So everything, we're not God. There is no worries, Father. You are amazing. You're good. But yet, Father God, knowing that we struggle, Lord, to live our lives in a way that gives you all control. Father, I pray that you help me. You help my brothers and my sisters sitting here today. Whatever you brought to their mind as, as you were looking at your word today. Whatever it is that you're telling them to believe, I pray, Father, give them the faith to believe it. Help them, oh God, to trust you. Help me to trust you with my life, with my family's lives, with our jobs, with our careers, with all things, God. With our church here, I swear, church, Father, we surrender to you. Father, we ask and we pray that you help us to live lives just in obedience, genuine faith, and knowing that you will fulfill your promises. So, Father, help us, God. Help us when the enemy comes and when he tries to steal this truth, God, and and it causes us to doubt, it causes us to fall down and to sin and to becoming depressed and whatever, Father. I pray that we will be able to look him in the face and say, yes, you are right. But my God is with me. My God has enabled me to move forward through him. God, God there's nothing that I can't do for my Father. He has willed this and I am living in faith with, uh, and trust him, trusting his goodness. So, Father, I pray you help us, Lord. God, we surrender it all to you. Give you the glory, give you the honor, we love you because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.